Welcome to another edition of the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 37. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Maniverse Podcast. This is the 37th episode, and you might have noticed there was quite a gap between episode 36 and this one, and uh, the reason for that is something I will go into, as this episode is basically the reintroduction episode. I've I've been on hiatus for the past six months, and uh, yeah, so this show is basically just going to get you caught up. What have I been up to in the last six months? What am I working on now? And then... I'm going to tell you the story of the last level, but I'm going to save that for the end of the show. So, what have I been up to? Well, I've basically been spending more time with my family. Six months ago, I essentially went back to work, which meant that I did not have as much time to spend with my wife and newborn son, who's now one year old, by the way. Kai just turned one uh, about a month ago. Yeah, between work and family, just... You know, you got to spend some time with what's important to you. So that's what I've been focusing on. My birthday actually occurred five days ago from the time I'm recording this. I'm actually now 30 years old, which is uh, quite a trip. Three decades. And one of the things that uh, in the past month or so, I've really been feeling the, the absence of working on the show. You know, for a while it was nice not having to, to think about it. Really, it was nice not having to think about it. It was it was a vacation. That's essentially what it was like, and it was uh, it was nice for a while. But I I enjoy doing this. It's a it's a tight squeeze when I'm working forty to fifty hours a week, depending on the week. But like I said, I can't stay away forever. I I love this biz this industry too much. So we're back in. We're doing it again. The plan is I'm putting more time into writing for the website with a focus on marketing specifically. That's one thing that's really kind of getting my gears going. Also, we've got a whole bunch of new episodes of the podcast coming up. And this is one of the things that's really exciting me is uh, half will be the same one-on-one interviews with game store owners that, uh, that you know and love. And then every other week, we'll be doing a round table style kind of podcast. The reason I'm putting something together like this is I get a lot of comments from people saying that the podcast has helped them either build their game store or, you know, help them move towards opening their own. And that's awesome. Like that's, that makes me super happy. And I love hearing back from the the listeners that, uh, you know, they like what I'm doing. That's cool. But one comment that I heard is uh, that the info was good, but it's not always timely. You know, it's not always relevant to what's going on now. And that's part of that was deliberate. I wanted to create a podcast that was timeless in the sense that the content was evergreen, that uh, you could, a couple of years from now, you could listen to some of the shows and the, the content would still be helpful to you. So the idea originally was, yeah, create a podcast that uh, people could listen to for years and it would still be useful. I took that comment and kind of thought about it for a while and I combined with a suggestion from one of my past guests, Wayne Middlestead, uh, basically came up with a solution and the plan is this round table kind of episode. And what that essentially means is there will be podcast shows that will feature several other guests. And we'll be tackling topics like uh, the play space debate, you know, whether or not to have gaming tables, uh, how important social media marketing is to your business and running events. 
you know, like things that are universal to the industry as a whole. But then we'll also be talking about more uh, timely subjects, you know, current events and things like that, like the like the recent Gamma trade show, which is coincidentally and not so coincidentally the topic of the episode released right after this one. There are a lot of awesome topics that I want to cover on this podcast, and I can't wait to get started. And now we come to the story time portion of the podcast, and this is where I'm going to tell you the tale of the last level, my LGS. And this is a story I haven't really touched on with the podcast, not too deeply, but it's something that I've been asked many times by different people over the past six months. Actually, one of them was one of my listeners and friends who approached me several months ago about potentially opening a new store together as partners. His idea was essentially that he'd bring the money and I'd bring the expertise. But he hadn't actually heard the story of my previous forced LGS the last level, so I decided to tell him the tale. And the tale really starts with me way back in high school. And if you were listening at the beginning of the show, I'm 30, so that was a while ago. It really starts with another store known as Deja Vu Games. And the days, my high school days that I spent in that place. But I'll come back to Deja Vu in a second. So for a long time, for pretty much since I was probably eight years old, eight, nine, which was about the time that I started playing Magic, my goal was to open a store of my own after I'd encountered the idea of an LGS, just the, the magic of the place, pun intended, really like, really sunk into me. I loved the atmosphere. I loved everything about them. So I really wanted to do that. And I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial bent, a strong desire to do something on my own rather than just get another job. So backstory, essentially, I always wanted to open a store of my own. And then after I graduated high school, I went to college for computer science. And I thought of being, I thought essentially being a programmer would be a good idea. You know, like I've I programmed in high school. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. But then when I got to college, I didn't really like the reality of what I was visualizing my future career was going to look like as a coder. So I ended up dropping out before the refund date, got my money back. And in hindsight, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this story is going to be in hindsight. I probably should have just, you know, powered through. At least then I would have had some uh, piece of paper to show that. I've learned programming instead of just the programming that I've picked up myself on the side. It's kind of ironic that I actually ended up teaching myself programming after the fact anyways, but my desire to own a store and to build a business was uh, was the primary reason I decided to leave. I didn't want to follow the same beaten path of secondary education as everyone else because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I didn't think that computer science, the like a computer science degree wasn't going to get me any closer to that. So I felt that chosen field wasn't going to help me achieve my goal. So what I decided was to work for a while and then save money so that uh, one day I could just open a store of my own. So after about a year, and this was around 2006, if I'm recalling correctly, I saw an opportunity. And that was Deja Vu Games was closing. So the owner, John, had owned the store for well over 10 years at that point. And after talking to him about his reasons for closing the shop, I got really excited. Because normally... A game store closing is not a... The reason that a game store closes is usually bad. In this case, John's career and his family were becoming bigger parts of his life. He did things... Like, he he started the store so long before this point in time that uh, his life had changed considerably. And he didn't want to continue splitting his time between both worlds. So, he wasn't closing the store because the business wasn't necessarily doing well. It's just he did uh, did not want to keep doing it. So... And this, this 
to me, felt like a really good time to act because Deja Vu still had a passionate community of customers and they were going to be displaced once they closed down. So I figured I could essentially take the momentum that Deja Vu had built up over the years and use it for my own shop. And so like Deja Vu Games was the store that's been part of this community in the town that I live, Kitchener, for over a decade. And like I said, I spent many of my high school days, my high school evenings, post-school, hanging out at the store, spending like probably way more money than I should have, but also making friends. And a lot of the friends that I have today, I actually met at Deja Vu Games while playing Magic. It's one of the things that I love about an LGS is that it draws together a community of like-minded gamers. And it's a place where you can share ideas and become friends and build friendships that can last you the rest of your life, which is the case for me. A lot of my friends today have come from my days at Deja Vu or my days running the last level. So I, at this point, I talked to John about buying his stock and fixtures. So like I was really on the idea. I was really like, okay, let's make this happen. See, let's see if we can make this work. And my idea was to open my own store, not necessarily take over his, once he was gone. And we even went as far as to lease the location he was leaving to keep the continuity going. And he was really good with the idea. Actually, he was, uh, and, you know, and, and of course, I was offering him money to clean him out, so he was probably pretty happy about that. But uh, we probably ended up talking for hours about the whole deal, and one piece of advice that he gave is something that I'll probably never forget. And he, he said, and it's not an exact quote, but it's essentially, an LGS is a labor of love. So without the passion, it isn't a business someone should get into. And like I, I fully agree, even 10 years later. And at this point... It was a good thing because I really fit the bill. It's not a light undertaking. You have to really be passionate about what was going on because if you're not, then this that business model isn't going to work out for you. He was trying to scare me away, I think, which is good on his part considering I was, uh, I think, turning 20 at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny to think about it now. So yeah. So at this point in the story, I had some money saved up, but not enough to make a go of things on my own. So I was too young for any bank to really treat me seriously, enough to get me a loan anyways. So I had to reach out to some people that I know, and I ended up talking to a couple of friends about becoming partners in the business. They knew I had been planning on a, planning a store of my own for a long time, and they were interested. And we basically worked it out that we'd each bring in roughly equal value to the business in either cash or cards. And one of the nice things about uh, starting an LGS, especially if you're already a, a hobbyist, is that initial opening stock can be easily subsidized because chances are you've already got a pretty sizable collection. So yeah, we'd either bring in cash or cards. And in total, at this point, the rough value of the shop at the startup was bay was probably about $5,000. And that's when I include a small loan I got from my parents. If you've been listening to the show up to this point, that is not much money to begin with. That is shoestring budget. But having two partners is what made the plan work. See, we worked it out so that one partner would run the store during the day and the other two could work. So we were basically extending our runway. The, the partner in the store is essentially working for free and contributing whatever the wage would be at the point to the business, whereas the other two can work on the side and continue to supplement if needed. And all together, the, the plan worked out pretty well. Deja Vu's customer base moved right over to us, 
because John told everyone to go to us once the shop was closed, and we managed to make some decent decent cash during the first year we were open. Uh, This was during the release of Ravnica and just after Kamigawa. And since we were almost entirely reliant on magic as our primary source of income, uh, our success initially definitely had to do with the quality of the set at the time. I'm still very proud of what we built and what we managed to achieve with such limited resources. So the first year went really well, but it was after the first year, the cracks in the plan really started to show. So we were growing and expanding our inventory at this point, and the bank decided to offer us a loan. See, before we opened, we we thought about this. We thought, well, let's approach a bank and see what's going on. But they wouldn't touch us. Three young guys who had very little credit history, opening a completely opening a business in a very volatile industry. Of course, a bank's not gonna not gonna do anything about that. There's no way they're gonna give anyone money. We we'd have to ask anyways, though. So we didn't get anything. But then after one year, we were approached by the bank, and they offered us the option for a loan. So after one year, we were doing pretty well, and to the bank, we seemed a lot less risky. And to us, the three of us, uh, that seemed like a great idea. We weren't really sure what we would do with the money, and this is obviously another lesson <laughs> from uh, from the tale that you can take away from this. You know, don't take a loan if you don't need it. If there's nothing, if there isn't something specific that you know you want, it's not in your plan, don't take on debt. You know, it's a pretty simple way of of operating, but uh, we went into the bank and we were talked into a line of credit instead, instead of a loan, which is initially what we wanted. And I think this is where I personally made my biggest mistake with the store. See, first, the first part of the mistake is first, I should have treated it like a line of credit instead of a loan. Yeah, so a little bit of backstory to this we were paying cash on delivery for our stock instead of paying terms, which really limited our ability to buy things. We were very inexperienced at the time and we didn't know any better. When you are operating a business, the preferred way of doing it is to operate on terms, either 30, 60, or 90, which essentially means that you work out a deal with your distributor, whereas they give you the stock, and then you have 30, 60, 90 days to pay them for it. This allows you to sell the product and then pay for it, and it it really helps with cash flow. When you don't have this, it's you're far more restricted, and that's where we were. We didn't really have any of these terms set up with our distributor, which after a year, we definitely should have. This is something we probably could have done within the first three months. We really should have pushed for this. And this is part of the inexperience thing. We just didn't know any better. So with the line of credit, what we should have been doing is using it as essentially terms. We should have been able to use this as a rotating thing so that we could buy stock, sell stock. And and that's how we should have treated it instead of a loan. And uh, yeah, second, I'll get into it. And secondly, the other half of the mistake that I made is that we should have doubled down on what was selling rather than expanding into something that was, in hindsight, obviously foolish. See, what we ended up doing is we took 10 out of the $15,000 credit line and bought computers and turned part of the shop into a land center. That may sound ridiculous now because land centers are basically obsolete. At the time, this seemed like a great idea. See, but if we had just focused on magic, if we use the extra money to buy more cards, have more stock, you know, like really just facilitate the cash flow of the business and build that part of the store, I'm confident the store would likely still be open 10 years later. So for those keeping count, we took on a considerable amount of debt for something that you can probably guess did not offer a very good rate of return. It was around this time that the partnership itself was also having some trouble. I was still invested since it was my dream to run an LGS, but the other two were beginning to pull away. 
And at the time, I didn't really see it as it was, but thinking back over the years, I've really started to uh, recognize it. And I think the problem was they weren't in it for the long haul like I was. And I, I feel like this is one of the things, like, I brought these two guys in as partners to be part of my dream. And I feel like maybe at the time I convinced them to, to do it, which meant that they weren't really, it wasn't their idea. So they weren't super interested the way I was. And at one point, like, as an example, one point, uh, one of the partners literally stopped coming in or contacting anyone for over a month. Apparently, he decided to take a vacation, was out of the country the entire time, he didn't tell anyone, and we had no idea where he was. And another example, a perfect example of this whole thing, of the cracks in our partnership, is a night that I will likely never forget. So let me set the stage for you. I had just finished work. At the time, I was working at a uh, another distribution center. I had just finished work, and it was late. The shop was typically open late most days. So everybody was there, as well as a few customers. You, we usually ran our events later in the night. So if we ran a draft at 6 or something, it would probably still be open until 11 or even midnight some nights. I came in after my shift to help clean and close up the shop. And this is when I noticed a particular binder missing. It turned out the, uh, the partner running the register left the binder on the counter after a customer asked to see it earlier in the night. The binder was, of course, I'm sure you can guess, stolen. See, the second worst part of this was the binder, and I said second specifically, the, the binder contained nearly all the most valuable cards we had in it. Losing it was a major financial blow to the store. And like, I get it, that another lesson, don't put all your valuable cards in one spot. That just means there's a, a single point of failure, and it's, just, it's a terrible idea. But the actual worst part of this whole thing was that once I once I discovered that the binder was gone and it was stolen and I asked everybody what happened no one but me seemed to care they just went back to doing their world of warcraft and like that that's when it really hit me because like theft is one thing you know it's to be expected it's not cool when it happens especially something so valuable but it's part of doing business you know it's just you have to expect it it wouldn't have been so frustrating if it wasn't caused by my partner's neglect and then compounded by their disinterest. I said, I can't recall a time in my life when I felt so angry as that moment. And like everyone in the room could definitely feel it. And that was a turning point for me when I realized that me and my partners weren't on the same page anymore and that maybe we never were. After another year of trying to make everything work, I decided that I just didn't want to continue the business anymore. And to be frank, this is probably my other, I consider this my other big mistake. Again, hindsight being 2020, I can think of several other ways I could have handled the situation. Anything from buying my partners out of the business and just going on my own to selling off the computers and recouping some of the loss to try to salvage the profitable side of the business. At, you know, like all kinds of different scenarios have run through my head since then. At the time, though, I just no longer wanted to be in business with them anymore. I waited too long, and it was too frustrating. See, the f and the funny slash tragic thing is that magic basically exploded in popularity after we closed the store. I'm sure it wasn't related, but just... Ugh. Our second year was the year that Time Spiral Block was released. And at the time, it was a really unpopular set 
for a lot of casual magic players. Just didn't turn their crank. And the follow-up sets, the next year, the next couple of years, uh, Lorwyn, Shadowmoor, and Shards of Alara, those were the, really the beginning of the magic boom times. By the time Zendikar and Innistrad were coming out, the magic population had doubled at least a couple of times from our day. If I had stuck it out and changed the direction of the store to be more focused on our core product line, like I said, I would probably still be in business at the last level. But in that case, I probably wouldn't have met my wife and ultimately started a family. So I can't complain too much, and I think things turned out pretty well. So that was a condensed version of the tale of the last level. In the intervening time since I've closed the shop, I've uh, I've always been a part of the in- part of the community. I've I've organized tournaments independently, and it's actually one of my favorite things to do. I almost actually prefer it to playing the game. I've I love putting together a tournament, being the host, and organizing everything. It's a lot of fun. And I've also helped other game store owners with their efforts. And to be fair, I've spent quite a bit of time playing games as well. Now, perhaps another LGS is in my future. It is definitely a possibility. But for now, producing the podcast and writing for my website are the major focuses for me, other than my family. I'm going to keep producing content with the goal of helping game store owners build their businesses. And for those curious, I promise to one day settle settle on a particular intro for the show someday i'll do it and also i'm excited to say uh, there are going to be some maniverse podcast t-shirts making their way onto the site in the near future so if you like the show and you want to support it that'll be a pretty sweet option for you that's the show folks if you have any burning questions about running an lgs i would love to hear them i love hearing from listeners who are working towards creating something awesome and if i can help out I'm glad to offer some of my time and advice. So send me your questions via email. My uh, address is tom at maniversesaga.com or you can do it on Twitter at Tom Traplin. Your question, if it's interesting and intriguing, may end up as a topic of one of the upcoming episodes of the podcast because chances are, if you're asking the question, others are too. I hope you'll enjoy the next episode of the Maniverse podcast, the first edition of The Roundtable. I think that covers it. Until next time, stay strong, keep working towards your goals, and as always, thank you very much for listening.